Well, hello, and thank you for uh, joining with us again today. Um, hopefully, just a, a few more of these videos, and we'll um, we'll get back to meeting together here here very soon. So, just uh, be patient. This is just a season; it's coming to an end very quickly, and um, and I see I see good things in store for us. I've seen so many good things come out of this, and so as as bad as it is that there are sicknesses like this that have to um, put us in situations like we've been in, uh, they are very good when it comes to um, causing us to have to um, step outside of our comfort zones and, and, and do things differently. And, and I've, I've seen people step up and, and fulfill roles that uh, they probably would never have fulfilled had it not been for this situation. And so Again, um, I know it's been frustrating, but just keep being patient. Um, it's coming to an end. The season is almost over, and um, and we will get back to at least some sense of normalcy. Um, so um, just be patient. But um, today we want to have a little study. I'm not going to take up much of your time. Uh, I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> I'm going to read verse 7 through 12. And we're going to talk today about glorifying God in our weaknesses. Um, there are a lot of times that um, we are weak in these bodies, that, um, that we don't have the strength to, to go on a lot of times. We don't have the strength to, we don't think we have the strength to do what needs to be done, and uh, we just get down and depressed sometimes. But it's in those times that um, the glory of God and the strength of God can shine the most and should shine the most. And so it is my hope that in this study today that, that you will look for ways to glorify God during your hardest moments. That when you see moments that drive you to, um, that drive you to your knees and just takes your strength away and, and, and you are just in moments of weakness, it is my prayer that it is, that those, it is at those times that you will remember this study and that it will draw you to to bring glory to God and show the strength of God in your weakness. And so that's what I hope happens through this study today. And so um, let's read the scripture, have a quick word of prayer, and then we will um, get into it. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, this is what it reads. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, and just before we go any further, we want to ask that, Lord, you would help us to get out of this Word what you mean for us to get out of it. Lord, this is your living and powerful Word. And Father, unless your Holy Spirit opens our eyes and gives us, um, gives us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to, to receive it, Father, we, we won't get anything out of it. And so, Father, I pray right now that, that you would cause your purpose, whatever it is, to be accomplished in this Word. And Father, I just um, I thank you for this Word. I thank you that, uh, Lord, 
every time we come to it, that if we'll seek You first, that it can change us. It can make us everything that You have designed for us to be. It can make us a new creation in Your Son, Christ Jesus. So Father, help that to take place today as we study Your Word. Lord, we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So just uh, a little bit of context, as we always do. Uh, I know you probably get tired of hearing that. We say it all the time, but... It is important to really get the most out of it to understand just a little bit about what's going on. And so in uh, 2 Corinthians, basically, <clears throat> very quickly, you have a letter that's been written by the Apostle Paul that he is having to defend his apostleship. He's having to defend his ministry. He's having to defend himself. There have been these... Um, uh, the, the culture in Corinth is a culture that... Um, uh, they basically have uh, these scholars and these philosophers and these great teachers and these very wise people that are just very smart as far as worldly wisdom goes. Now Paul comes in and they say things like, well, he preaches the same simple message over and over again. All he ever preaches is Christ and Christ crucified, the cross, the cross, the cross. He, they, they don't think he's deep enough for them. Matter of fact, they, they actually say in one point that um, his appearance is, uh, is basically, um, uh, basically he's, he's, he's an ugly person. They, they don't really like looking at him. And then they actually go on to say that um, his speech is contemptible, I believe is the way that they put it. In other words, they didn't like the way he talked and they didn't like the way he looked. And so they, they were, uh, they were uh, just marring his image and his name to the Corinthian people and to the Corinthian church because of the way he looked and the way that he talked. And um, uh, they were talking about his teachings being so simple and that he's just a simple-minded person. And, um, and then they would say things like, just look at the suffering that he goes through. Look at how could, how could this be a godly man and how could this be somebody that God is on his side? I mean, look at him. Every time he turns around, he's being whipped. He's in prison. He's in perils of uh, thieves and dangers of the seas. And, and he goes on and on. And if you were to go to 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 9 maybe, uh, somewhere around in there, he starts explaining to them about all the perils that he's been in and all the dangers that he has been in, all the stripes he's received. And so he's having to write this letter to really defend his ministry, uh, but not just his ministry, to defend the gospel. Um, he, he starts talking to them about the, the truth of the gospel, that it is cru Christ crucified, and then that it, that's the simple gospel. Christ died for our sins, and He was raised to, uh, to prove the justification for our sins. So um, when we read this, keep that context in mind that Paul is defending himself. He's defending the fact that yes, he suffers. Yes, he goes through a lot. Yes, he's not the, he hasn't preached these very wise messages as far as worldly wisdom goes, but the preaching of the cross is the wisdom of God and it puts to shame the wisdom of men. He saw fit in the foolishness of preaching the cross to shame the wisdom of the wise. And so you can go back and read in 1 Corinthians all of that around chapter 1 and chapter 2. But here he gets to 2 Corinthians and he is defending the gospel. He's defending his preaching. He's defending the simple gospel. He's defending the fact that even though he suffers does not mean that God is not for him. Just the opposite. It means that God is giving him the opportunity 
to glorify Him. And so we're going to see that here. Uh, as we back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, um, verse uh, 5, I want you to see where, where we're coming from here. He says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So to put that in simple terms for you, here's basically what he's saying. He's saying that our gospel that we proclaim is just simply Jesus Christ is Lord. He has died for our sins. We are your servants because we're here preaching the gospel for Jesus' sake. And then in verse 6, he says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So there again, he just, he's just talking about how the gospel of Jesus Christ has come into his life and how God has opened his eyes and has given him a new heart. And basically the same way that God said in the beginning, let there be light when there was darkness, is the same thing that has took place in Paul's heart and every other person that's ever been saved by the gospel. God opened your eyes and He opened your heart and He said, let there be light. And there was light. And the light was the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we saw Jesus for who He was. We saw our sin condition against our Creator. And we saw what Christ had done for us. And so when we get to verse 7, here's where Paul says, "...but we have this treasure in jars of clay." What treasure? Well, the treasure of the gospel the treasure of this new life that the gospel has brought to us, as God said, let there be light. We have this treasure, but we have it in jars of clay. Literally, um, earthen vessels. In other words, very fragile structures. These bodies that are not made to last forever. And Paul goes on, he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In other words, God leaves us in our weakness. He does not make us the, the strongest people in the world and He does not just empower us to the point that we can overcome everything. No, He empowers us to overcome our sin. He empowers us to have boldness to preach the gospel. But as far as the world goes, it still is going to try to overtake us. It's still going to try to overcome us. It's always going to be trying to persecute us and trying to shove us down. Um, you, you always see that. That will never stop. It's always been, it always will be. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, and here's the point, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In other words, even though the world is always trying to crush us, even though Satan is always trying to, to bring something against us in this world, to bring a government against us, or to bring a people against us, or to bring circumstances against us, or our family against us, or our own sin against us, no matter what it is, um, we have this treasure in these earthen sinful vessels, these jars of clay. And the point is so that when we continue to overcome, no matter what's thrown at us, it is to show that the surpassing power 
belongs to God, not to us. So here's where I get my point, that we get to glorify God the most in our weaknesses. It's whenever everything is crushing us and yet we still keep going. We still keep having strength. We don't stop. We keep doing what we do. And we do it in love and we do it in peace and we do it in compassion and gentleness and kindness and we just keep following Christ. And it shows that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so look at verse 8. Paul says, We are afflicted in every way. In other words, that word afflicted means we're hemmed in, we're pressed together. In other words, we're everything from all sides is coming at us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're never crushed. We always feel like we're hard-pressed, but it don't crush us. We're never completely crushed. He goes on, he says, we are perplexed. In other words, we're at a loss. We're baffled. We're puzzled. There are so many things that we just don't understand in this life. Have you ever been in a place to where you, you just looked around and you just said, God, I just don't understand. <laughs> I, I, I just don't get it. You ever had that kind of moment in your life? Well, that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, listen, we are perplexed. There are many times in our life that we feel that way, but not driven to despair. That word despair means the complete loss of hope. So there are going to be many times in your life that in your weaknesses that you are, um, that you are perplexed, that you just don't understand, that you are at a loss, you're baffled, uh, you're confused, and yet not driven to despair. You never lose complete hope. You always still have hope even when you don't understand. And only a Christian that has been in this thing for a little while and has been through some times of being perplexed and yet still had hope. Only you can understand this at this moment. But I want you to understand, as a Christian, it's during those moments of being perplexed that, that we, and we still have hope that, again, we show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's only that he keeps, he keeps giving us hope. He keeps reminding us of His promises. He keeps bringing us back to life even though the world keeps trying to crush us. And then He goes on, He says, in verse 9, we're persecuted but not forsaken. In other words, the world is always trying to overtake us, but we're never left alone. The, the, the world is always trying to come against us in some way and trying to overcome us and trying to overpower us in some way, but we're never left alone. God is always with us no matter what they try to do. They put Paul in prison and all he did was just sing. <laughs> he just sung. And again, the whole point was when the prisoners saw that, they knew the surpassing power belongs to God. There's a hope in this man and there is a strength in this man that cannot come from him because he's perplexed. He's broken down. He's been beat. He's in the same condition that we're in as prisoners here and yet he's singing. He's not lost hope. And it shows that the surpassing power belongs to God. And then he goes on, he says, we're struck down. We're cast down, we're thrown down, but not destroyed. That's what the world, that's what Satan does to us in so many ways. And we see it right now. We see it in the world in the way that um, 
I was talking to some uh, friends here just recently um, about the, the things that the government is trying to do in, to churches in places like California. Uh, you know, I've heard things. I don't know how much of it is fact, but I've heard things that they're doing as far as they're trying to uh, persecute the church there and trying to uh, throw them down and overpower them and overtake them. And, and, and yet... The, the point is, they may be that, but they, are, they may be struck down, but they are never destroyed. We're always able to keep ministering and keep doing what we do, keep preaching the gospel, uh, even if it lands us in jail. And so we're a peaceful people, and, and we submit to our governing authorities. And, uh, but no matter what, we're not going to quit preaching the gospel. We're not going to quit praising our Lord. Uh, all of those things we will continue to do. And if they come and put us in cuffs, we will, we won't, we will go like, like Christ did, uh, like a lamb led to the slaughter, not opening our mouth, and, um, and just, just continuing to trust God and follow God and preach the gospel. And in the midst of that, who knows, maybe some of the law and the government will be saved in the process of it. The Philippian jailer was with Paul because he saw that the surpassing power belonged to God and not to Paul. And so we have these moments to glorify God in our weaknesses. And, and so I want you to understand that no matter what it is, if you're afflicted in every way, just keep in mind, you're not crushed. If you are perplexed and you just don't understand, you're not going to be driven to despair. You will always have hope because your hope is not in this world anyway. And they cannot take that away from you. They take everything else away from you but they cannot take that hope away from you. So as long as your hope is not in your kids or your house or your possessions or your things, um, it, will it hurt? Yes, it'll hurt. That's the reason he said perplexed. He's not saying that, that, he, that, that he just understands it and it all makes perfect sense. No, he's saying there are times that I just don't understand, but I don't lose hope. I still have hope. Persecuted, but not forsaken. He's still with me. Struck down, but not destroyed. <laughs> I'm still going. We're still preaching the gospel. And then verse 10, he says, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. In other words, as a Christian, it's not you that they're trying to kill. As a Christian, it's not you that they're trying to persecute and overtake. They could care less if they put you in the ground. It's Jesus that they hate. It's what you stand for that they don't like. And so it's very important that you understand we are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. And here's why. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So in other words, whenever we keep going, even though they strike us down, they can't destroy us. Even though they take everything away from us and they leave us perplexed, but we still have hope. Even though they afflict us in every way and we're pressed in from all sides, but not crushed, we manifest the, body, the life of Christ in our bodies, even though these bodies are being put to death by all that the weakness that the world is throwing at it the life of Christ is being manifested and it's being revealed to the world. So it is in your weaknesses, it's in times like this that you get to shine the most. It's in divorces that you had no choice in. It's in miscarriages that you had no control over. It's in persecutions that you couldn't do anything about. It's in all of those things that the life of Christ is manifested 
as your body because you're carrying about in the body the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 11, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Remember, the world hates Jesus. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. You don't see it in the same way, but you better believe everything that comes against you as a Christian in this life is because Satan and this world hates Jesus. And so we are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. And here's why. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. In other words, you need to let people see the surpassing power of God at, at work in you in your weakness, as it's killing you, the life of Jesus is just getting stronger. And that's what it's for. And then verse 12, So death is at work in us. Here's Paul's defense to the Corinthians. So yes, you're right. Death is at work in me. Yes. But life is at work in you because I keep preaching the gospel. I keep showing Jesus. I keep preaching Christ crucified. I keep coming back. No matter what the Corinthians throw at him, no matter what they do to him, Paul keeps loving them. Paul keeps forgiving them. Paul keeps coming back and teaching them. And the life of Christ is manifested in Paul's weakness. So it is my prayer that as you study this message that you will not be driven to despair that you will not be crushed when you're afflicted in every way, that you'll remember when you're persecuted, you're not forsaken, that you'll remember that you may be struck down, but you're not destroyed. And in the process of those times when you are feeling that way, I pray that it's during those times that you rise up and you proclaim Christ as your Lord and you proclaim your hope is not in this world and you... Let the life of Christ be manifested in your life so that the surpassing power will belong to God and not to us. Glory to God, especially in our weaknesses. I love you. Until next time, God bless you.